Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Heater, and I am so glad you're here. If you are new here, then welcome. And this is a fun one to start on (laughs) because it will give you quite the glimpse into the kind of conversations that I think are really important that need to be had in the Girl Scouting space, really in all spaces. If you are a returning listener, if you've been listening for a while especially, then I know you are going to really love this episode. Today I wanted to talk about some of the content that is covered in a book that I recently read by the author Amber Cabral, and the book is called Allies and Advocates. And let me just start off by saying I highly recommend this book. I highly recommend it. I read it on Audible. And so I read it as an audiobook and I listened to it in about uh, 12 to 14 hour span. I listened to it. I, I listened to audiobooks sped up. I listened to it driving uh, about an hour to meet some friends for dinner. And then I listened to it driving home from that. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was living in taking up all the space in my head and I listened to it while I cooked breakfast and I listened to it while I was doing some housework and and I was done uh, the next morning. I loved it and I will definitely reread it. I'll definitely be purchasing a physical copy as well by the time this airs. I will probably have already done that because both of those that's because this is I'm ahead again you guys not by a lot but like a little. I got a little bit ahead again, so this is scheduled a few weeks out. Anyway, Allies and Advocates is written by the author Amber Cabral. Um, She is really specifically uh, talking about allyship and advocacy for, uh, as it specifically relates to the anti-racism and Black Lives Matter movements that really gained a lot of traction in 2020. This book came out in 2020. There's a lot of conversation in this book and throughout this book, and especially in the beginning of the book, about the pandemic and a little bit about Black Lives Matter and the anti-racism movement that really gained a lot of traction and notoriety at that time. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast since that time, and by the way, thank you if you have, you know that we have talked a little bit about this kind of stuff on the podcast before, and also I really like to just have the hard conversations here that are bigger, because this isn't just, it is about how to do badge work and how to find a meeting place and those kind of details that sort of come up, you know, planning troop camp and planning a sleepover and, and looking at the field trips you could take in your area, but it's also about cultural appropriation, and it's also about inclusivity when we're talking about holidays and it's also about um, anti-racism and recruiting and remember retention and supporting both the girls in our troops and their families recently we just did an episode we (laughs) it's just me recently i just did an episode about lgbtqia and overnights and uh, you know that can feel complicated. That was a Q&A um, themed episode. I don't know. I had trouble with that sentence. So today, um, 
I just, it really, I've been feeling it on my heart since I was reading this, since I started reading this book, that there's definitely going to be a podcast episode sharing some of the content from this. So again, just to reiterate, this book is Allies and Advocates, and the author is Amber Cabral, and she does a lot of DEI work. She's been consulting on DEI since, oh, I don't know what year she started, but she mentions in the book it's been like 20 years. So presumably since like the year 2000-ish. So she is an expert on DEI. I am not, (laughs) but I have been making a conscious effort to try to understand and be aware of my privilege and to learn about how to be an ally, how to be an advocate. What does that look like and how do you do that right and how do you do that well? And not just when we're talking about racism, but also when we are talking about all kinds of uh, exclusive situations, which can come up, especially in the context of Girl Scouts. It's really important to me, and it's important in the history of the organization, the mission of the organization, that this is an organization that serves all girls in the USA, and the global movement is for all girls in the world. Now, with that being said, I want to go ahead and call out there's some gendered language involved with this, and by that, I mean the organization that we're talking about here is literally called Girl Scouts. So the organization is gendered right from the the name of the organization. The mission statement, of course, is building girls of courage, confidence and character who make the world a better place. So again, gendered mission statement. We also do have a statement of diversity and inclusion, which I do not have in front of me. That is about being an organization for all kids who identify as girls in grades K to 12 who are who identify as girls and are living life as girls meaning they're recognized by their community friends family as girls i i do understand and i know and i appreciate and i respect that there are people who are listening to this podcast who have kids of your own or kids in your troop who are non-binary or gender fluid and may not identify as girls and in no way am I trying to be exclusive of those kids. Anytime I'm using gendered language in this podcast in general and especially in this episode is purely because the organization and the mission itself are gendered. I think that there's some complications involved with that that really need to be addressed and really need to be discussed. I, at this point in time, am not prepared to have that conversation. I don't know enough about what the correct answers are or what I would advocate for, but I do know that all kids should be safe just inherently. All kids should be safe. And all the work that you do with your troops to help the kids in your troop to be safe is not just great. But it is critical. It's critical for kids' survival and especially for kids who belong to particularly at-risk identities or demographics, including but not limited to being gender fluid or non-binary. 
or of course trans. So there's a lot of a lot of things there to unpack. Um, and in Amber Cabral's book, Allies and Advocates, she does address a whole lot of different types of privilege, different types of marginalized or underrepresented identities and communities. And this content applies to allyship and advocacy in all ways for all the different ways that we need to be able to support all people, right? So, and specifically when we're applying this to Girl Scouts, we're talking about um, how we can be good at allyship and advocacy for all girls through our work with Girl Scouts. So, for allyship, there's um, so, 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 so much I would love to share with you from this book. But I want to start with, this is something I've kind of struggled with in the past. Ally is a, she says, it is an action. It is not a, a person. It's not a title. So to be an ally is something you do. It's not who you are or a person you are or a title you can give yourself. Uh, so when we think about allyship and advocacy, we're really talking about behavior and actively operating in ways, using language, doing, taking action, uh, doing the things <laughs> that allyship and advocacy include, right? So to be an ally is to have behaviors or to take action under the umbrella of allyship. And Amber actually lays out six behaviors of allies, of what allies do, six behaviors of allyship. So let's talk about them. The first one is expect to be uncomfortable. And I think this is such a good place to start because so many people, especially in this kind of space with youth, so many people don't want to have these hard conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion in Girl Scout spaces, all types of diversity, equity, and inclusion because it's hard and it's uncomfortable. And no one knows how to do it Right. And this is something that really comes up in this podcast a lot because we are so under equipped to deal with all of the stuff that ends up going into being a troop leader. There are just so many details that come up as troop leaders that it's like, I didn't get training on this. I'm just a person. I'm just a person who showed up so often. We're moms who just show up at these meetings and are ready to just dig in with the girls. And we just have no idea what we're getting into. And by the way, if you're a brand new volunteer, Oh, welcome. Buckle up. Buckle up, friend. This is quite the ride. So not all of us are moms, by the way. And if you're new here, I do want to just go ahead and call out. I actually, I I am a stepmom, but I never had a kid of my own in my troop. So much like Juliet Gordon Lowe, the founder of Girl Scouts, I was a volunteer without a girl of my own in Girl Scouts. And that is totally cool. And you know, you're welcome here. You're accepted. But demographically, like the demographic show, statistically, most of our troop leaders are moms. 
volunteering with their kids. And we just had no idea, honestly, even becoming mothers <laughs> just that, or parents, if you are a, a dad or a non-binary or gender fluid parent, when we become parents, we have no idea what we're in for, frankly. So the first part of being an ally is to expect to be uncomfortable. Now, there's a couple of things that she really explores in this expecting to be uncomfortable section. Uh, One of the things is to practice identifying for yourself what feelings bubble up. So when you feel uncomfortable in these kind of conversations or situations where you need to be an ally or you have the opportunity to be an ally or whatever, or there are conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion, practice identifying what comes up for you and what those feelings are. You have to be able to identify them and face them in order to manage them. So practice identifying what's coming up for you and really get curious and explore what those feelings and emotions are. You're going to be emotional. So investigate what those emotions are. Also remind yourself that change is uncomfortable. Change can cause discomfort. And helping girls be uncomfortable in order to pursue like the GIRL method, go-getter, innovator, risk-taker, leader. A big part of the risk-taker is about pushing girls past their comfort levels to learn to take calculated risks that push them further. They live bigger lives. They um, are able to achieve more. They are able to Um, have more experiences and to grow as people right when they're able to take risks and this is going to feel very similar to that that change is going to be uncomfortable (laughs) and so being uncomfortable is totally the expectation here and then the final part of this is manage your emotions so we have to identify them and face them and uh, remind ourselves that it's normal to be uncomfortable and then we have to manage them. We have to manage our emotions and get them in check in order to be able to move forward. Also, it's not about us. So in managing your emotions, you are experiencing emotions and those are real and they are valid and you need to explore them and identify them and get to know them really well. But also, don't make it about you and in order to do that, you have to get those emotions managed. So we need to manage them in order to move forward. The next behavior of an ally, according to Amber Cabral in the book Allies and Advocates, is to make space for imperfection. So (laughs) here's the thing. You're going to do it imperfectly. In trying to be good at being an ally, you are going to make mistakes. You are not going to do it perfectly. And that is expected. (laughs) You're going to be imperfect. Everybody else is going to be imperfect. It doesn't matter who you are. Amber Cabral has been doing this work for 20 years and she says she is imperfect. And she shares several examples in the book about ways that she herself has made mistakes or been imperfect at this work. So make space to understand that you're going to be imperfect. And so is everyone else in the situation. We are imperfect people. So as part of making space for imperfection, one thing that we can do is build meaningful, trusting relationships. 
also practice using candor. And see vulnerability as a strength. And finally, recognize that everyone is on a different part of this journey. So some people, like Amber Cabral, may have been doing this work for 20 plus years. Others of us are at the very beginning. And also, what you've been exposed to and what your own personal lived experiences are, are going to vary from other people. There are people who are coming from a place of privilege where, I mean, we're all coming from some places of privilege, but... Some people are coming from such a place of privilege that they have never been exposed to situations like whatever situation you find yourself in before. They may not have known any people who belong to a specific marginalized group or identity or community. And the first time somebody is exposed to the realities of the situation or to meet somebody or to love somebody who belongs to that identity or group or demographic, it's going to be new for them. And compare that to someone who's been living that experience every day of their lives because it's part of their identity. They're just going to be in different places. So understand that everyone is on a different part of the journey. And it's not about judging or measuring how far along someone is on the journey. We can all move forward together and be productive and proactive and progressive in creating safe spaces for girls to be girls. Understanding that not everyone is going to be in the same place. Another big part of this is thinking about um, age because In Girl Scouts in particular, especially in communities of volunteers, there is such a wide variety of the ages of the people who are involved as adult volunteers. And the reason, there's so many reasons why this is important. Um, Lived experience is obviously going to be different, but, but even specifically to think about the context in which the people in question may have been raised. So the youngest volunteers who are part of Gen Z, they have been raised in um, a very globalized environment with access to the internet from the time they were basically born or (laughs) very, very young. That Life as they know it has always been online. And largely due to that, but also due to a lot of other social circumstances, they are going to be a lot more progressive and liberal in their thinking than some of our oldest volunteers who, shout out to you if you're listening to this, but some of our oldest volunteers literally went to segregated schools, right? So their upbringing is just going to look really different (laughs) and that's going to influence how they show up to, say, plan an event for your service unit or your council. Um, Same goes for your council staff, considering the fact that you may have lived experience and you may have exposure or identities of your own that would put you in a different part of the journey than some people on the staff. That doesn't mean that the staff doesn't care about creating a safe space for girls and volunteers. They definitely do or they wouldn't work there. But that doesn't mean they're going to be perfect at it. Nobody is. Everybody is going to be imperfect at it. And so making space for imperfection and kind of understanding where they may be coming from. And I'm not saying like, oh, they're going to give you their resume of where they are on this journey. Actually, they're not. (laughs) So you're not going to know what anybody's exposure or their understanding or their personal, some of their identities you might be able to tell 
from looking at them or talking to them or they might share them with you but there are lots of things about their identity you don't know and you don't get to know or people they love you don't know who they love or what they what their lived experiences have been and so you just need to figure out how to assume that everyone's going to be on a different part of the journey and we figure out how to move forward together. The third behavior of an ally in the book Allies and Advocates by Amber Cabral is seek and expect feedback. So this is about you, right? We as allies, when we want to be allies, what does that mean to be an ally? It Part of it is that we seek and expect feedback. If we know we are going to be uncomfortable, we expect to be uncomfortable, we know we're going to be imperfect, then the next thing is to seek and expect feedback. We should invite feedback. And really take time to practice exercising your response and and avoid being reactive. Instead of immediately going into being reactive or defensive, especially defensive, consider if this were true, how would I respond? So if somebody shows up to give you feedback and it's uncomfortable and you may be feeling like your first intention is to defend I didn't mean it that way I didn't want it to come across that way or even I didn't say that or I didn't do that so before you jump to those kind of responses try exercising the muscle of if this were true how I would how would I respond if someone comes to you with feedback and what they were saying they experienced was true how would you want to respond in that moment so The first thing is in in how you could respond there is to be appreciative that someone came to you with that feedback. That's a big part of being safe enough and welcoming enough to receive feedback is to be appreciative when you do get it. Um, Another thing is to, as I started to mention, avoid being reactive. So it can be tempting to go from, okay, maybe I'm not going to be defensive, but then I'll jump to how do I fix it? How do I make it right? How do I take action? So it can be very easy when somebody comes to us with feedback to jump at it and say, yep, you're right. I got it. I'll do it better from now on. So instead, take some time to really listen and be prepared to apologize and to really give them the opportunity to give the feedback. That's what it's about, is that you're receiving in this moment. You're seeking out feedback openly, and then you're receiving that feedback. Also, be prepared to apologize. In some situations, that may be helpful to apologize. So just be prepared that they that may be part of seeking and expecting feedback. You're an imperfect person. It's going to be uncomfortable and be prepared to apologize. And then do not rely on anyone to be a spokesperson. So there's a lot of layers to this. One is when you're seeking and expecting feedback, don't just take the one person that you know who meets a certain identity or demographic or community, you know, checkbox and ask them, hey, how am I doing at this or is this okay, etc. Because first of all, that's really uncomfortable for them and a little invasive. Second of all, 
if you have a really meaningful personal relationship with them, like one of the things we talked about earlier was building meaningful and trusting relationships. If you have a really meaningful and trusting relationship with that person, you might be able to have that conversation as a way to seek and expect feedback. Um, If you don't have a meaningful and trusting relationship, that would definitely be inappropriate. But if you do, that might be a way to invite feedback. However, that person can only speak to how it affects them or how it makes them feel. They are not a banner carrier or a spokesperson for the entire community or everybody who identifies that way. They are only a spokesperson for themselves. So, you know, anticipate that. Similarly, if someone does come to you with feedback, remember that this is feedback about how it impacted that person. And it's not necessarily reflective or representative of everybody who could possibly identify with that same demographic or identity or community. So, you know, Just because one person tells you this is, you know, I prefer black to African-American or I prefer African-American to black, it does not mean that all people prefer one over the other. Everybody is going to be different. So understanding things like that is really important. Okay, the fourth one, um, behavior of an ally is in. And so this is, again, the fourth behavior of an ally from the book Allies and Advocates by Amber Cabral is speak up and give feedback. So when you see something out of line, be the one to say something. And a good way to approach that is you don't have to approach it aggressively or divisively or to create some kind of conflict situation. You can approach it in a way where you are being curious, you are exploring and learning more, and you can start off by asking for permission to give feedback. You can um, really use that opportunity to advocate for people who may not be in the room And you can use your power and privilege, which gives you more of a voice or a platform in a situation to be able to advocate for those who are either not in the room or who are um, not representative in decision making or conversations or whatever it is that you're speaking up about. So that's a little bit about speaking up and giving feedback. Remember that you can approach it in a way that is tell me more about that or you know, uh, can you clarify this or um, assume, basically assuming, unless unless it's very clear, and this of course depends on the situation, but if we're assuming that everybody involved in this situation cares about being a good ally, then you can approach the way you communicate in giving feedback in that way, assuming that you know they're going to be uncomfortable, you know they're going to have emotions, you know they are imperfect and that they're in a different part of their journey than you might be. Um, And you also know that (laughs) they may not be, because they may be in a different part of the journey, they may not have listened to this this podcast episode or read this book or done a DEI training that has similar uh, steps. And so they may not necessarily be super receptive in how to seek and expect feedback and receive feedback in a positive and 
progressive way. So expecting that you can give feedback in a way that you anticipate that it's going to be an emotionally charged or it has the ability to be an emotionally charged situation. And that person might be defensive or uh, challenge you, right? So, or reactive. So the next part is to be an attentive listener. And this means really paying attention to verbal and nonverbal messages and creating safe spaces for discussion. Listen to understand, not to respond. And this could apply both to um, like noticing when something is happening that warrants feedback. This could also be when someone approaches you with feedback. And this could also be when you give feedback and you're seeking for clarification or further understanding about where someone's coming from. Then this would be an opportunity for you to really create a safe space for the discussion and to um, listen to understand and not necessarily come at it from like a teaching or training perspective, but to open space for dialogue, to create a safe space for a meaningful and trusting relationship, to be able to have discussions about this now and moving forward. Another thing in being an attentive listener is to be mindful of redirection. So let's say there is a group of you planning an event and you mention that you're not sure that the event is really accessible for all girls with varying uh, physical disabilities or physical needs and then the person sitting next to you might say that's a great point and also I really don't like the color of the t-shirt and partially because it's easier and partially because she spoke second the group can jump on the color of the t-shirt and then the feedback that you gave back about accessibility could get lost and in a situation like that that is um, redirection and again it could be on purpose and it could be accidental and listening for verbal and nonverbal messages like this, it could be an opportunity for you to speak up and bring it back. And especially if somebody else's feedback was uh, redirected, you could be the person who speaks up and and brings it back. So you could uh, mention, you know, so-and-so brought this up about accessibility and I think this is really important. We should uh, come back to that. I really wanted to hear more about what you think or um, I really think we need to talk about solutions for that problem or whatever. And then another thing about being an attentive listener is to be as confident listening as you are sharing. And this will really help to avoid becoming a debate situation. Um, debates become, you know, ripe for whataboutism or redirection or distraction from the original point. And we're really trying to cultivate a space for discussion that invites feedback and makes it safe to give feedback so that we can just move forward together. And then the final behavior of an ally on this list from the book Allies and Advocates by Amber Cabral is to exercise empathy. So exercising empathy looks like a lot of things in a lot of situations. One thing that uh, is specifically explored in this book is to check in and reach out. So 
checking in and reaching out is going to be part of building, trusting, meaningful relationships in general in your life. But this can also really apply in a situation where there's something really emotionally charged or heavy going on. Like, let's say there is a video of police brutality that's all over the media. Uh, this would be an opportunity for you to tap into those meaningful and trusting relationships and make sure you're checking in and reaching out on the people in your life who may be affected by whatever's happening. So like in the in that video example, you know, your black or African-American friends and loved ones checking in and reaching out to them. Now, in this, one thing that she really did emphasize is that uh, you should check in and reach out to most specifically people you already have trusting and meaningful relationships with. Checking in also can be done effectively and ineffectively. So um, checking in with someone who, you know, your roommate's cousin from 15 years ago in college who you haven't spoken to in over 12 years, that might be awkward for you to reach out. Um that's not necessarily your role in their life, and so it can be a little bit strange. Another thing here is that sometimes we mean well to check in on other people, but we end up making it about ourselves more than we make it about them. So asking, what can I do? How can I help? That ends up kind of putting the responsibility on the other person to give you something to do or to make you feel better about the situation. It can also sometimes come across as a little performative depending on the situation and your style of checking in or reaching out where once again it feels more like you're doing it for yourself or you're doing it for your own reputation more than actually for the well-being of the person who you are checking in and reaching out to. So one of the suggestions that she gives is to ask, would it be helpful if, would it help if I blah, blah, right? And again, depending on the situation, that might look like something different. Would it be helpful to talk about it? Would it be helpful to do something to get your mind off it? Would it be helpful if I brought by dinner? Would it be helpful if there's so many things that might apply to different situations? And so taking the responsibility on yourself to offer something rather than saying like, let me know if I can do anything. Let me know if you need anything. Don't hesitate to reach out if you need me. Well, I mean, that's asking them both to identify when they need you, what they need from you, and then to make the extra emotional and energetic effort to actually do the reaching out themselves. When somebody is in need, they're probably not going to be in a position to do as much reaching out. That really should be on you in that situation, the person who's coming from a place of privilege in the situation, in that environment, whatever it is. When things like this are happening. And when I say things like this, I mean, it could literally be anything. So I, ta I talked earlier about like when big things are happening, but we want to exercise empathy in all spaces and times. And so not everything's going to be as necessarily like quote unquote big. Some things can be seem smaller, but um, in, all, in all things, we want to exercise empathy, and that means allowing space for emotion. So once again, let's understand and expect that these are emotionally charged, uncomfortable conversations and situations, and 
people are emotional and allow space for other people to have the emotions that they have. So remember in step one, which is not really steps, but in, in the first behavior, we talked about managing our emotions when we're coming from a place of privilege, but allow space for other people to have emotion in the situation and be understanding and empathetic to the fact that they're going to be emotional. Also, commit to improvement and actually act. And also expect resistance and skepticism when you do commit to improvement and actually act. So there's a lot here about expecting resistance and skepticism, and I really, really think you should read the book. But what I will say is that it can be almost unsettling when you are maybe advocating for a cause or you are living an experience and someone uh, starts to show up or pay attention that has not historically shown up or paid attention. It can make us almost suspicious. It can make us resistant and skeptical. And and if you are the well-meaning person who wants to participate and wants to get involved and wants to step up and is learning more about things and wants to step up in new ways, understand and expect that you may be met with some resistance and skepticism. If what you are doing and saying is sincere and genuine, then just keep trying and keep going and keep growing despite resistance and skepticism, but it is also an opportunity for you to really look at, are you doing this because it is genuine and sincere or are you doing whatever you're doing or speaking up in whatever ways you're speaking up because of your reputation or because you want to be seen doing those things? That's where it starts to get performative, okay? is when it's more about you than it is about helping other people or supporting other people or being empathetic to other people. So that's a quick rundown of the allyship section in this book. And I really, really want you to read it because I think she goes into so much more detail and so many more examples that are so good. I can't just like literally read you the book on the podcast. So that's my recommendation. The last thing that I really wanted to share from this book today, and I might come back and do some more from this book later, uh, she also has a second book that has come out since then that I have not read yet, so there may be more content from that as well, but in the advocacy section, she also does specifically explore and define advocacy and talk about the behavior of advocacy. So allyship, we went through. That is expect to be uncomfortable, make space for imperfection, seek and expect feedback, speak up and give feedback, be an attentive listener, and exercise empathy. Advocates are when we actually take personal risk to ourselves or our reputation in order to advocate for others. So, the personal risk part is what makes it advocacy. There's a personal risk to our safety or our reputation by speaking up or showing up. So uh, advocacy can look like showing solidarity, using your power or privilege to make others feel seen and safe, advocating for others, fighting against systemic and systematic oppression, and operating with bravery. 
So bravery, of course, is so related to our Girl Scout mission involved with courage, confidence, and character. And so uh, I just feel like this is all so aligned with that mission statement of courage, confidence, and character. And I think this is really important for us to understand as volunteers of how we can be uh, good at allyship and advocacy for all girls. But I also think this is really valuable when it comes to helping build girls of courage, confidence, and character, which is our mission here. When we are doing this work with girls for badges and journeys and um, take action projects and um, high award projects and, and just giving them a safe space to be girls, part of that means us being good allies and advocates and part of it means us helping girls learn to be good allies and advocates. So hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully you thought it was interesting to you. Um, hopefully it means something and I will have the link to the book in the show notes. I'll also be sharing it in the Facebook group, but if for any reason you're having trouble finding it, go ahead and email me girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what you thought about this episode. If you've read the book, let me know what you thought. If you have read other books or you've taken other trainings or anything, you have resources that you think would be really helpful that are related to this, I can go ahead and speak for all of us and say we want them <laughs> and we would love to hear about them. So yeah, let me know what you thought of this episode and of the book and just how you're feeling with the conversations around allyship and advocacy and DEI and all of that that has really, really, really gained a lot of traction in the past three years. It's not that it's a new conversation. It's always been a conversation. Well, I don't know if it's always been a conversation. It's been a conversation for like a long time, but it's been really trendy to talk about, really important and highlighted in just general society for the past three years. So tell me how you're doing with all of this. It's definitely hard. And I can definitely share with you, like from a, from a somewhat vulnerable perspective, the first two steps or behaviors of an ally as laid out in this book, being uncomfortable and, ex and expecting imperfection, that helps me so much because I care, and I know so many of you can relate to this, I care so much about doing this right. And I don't want to do it wrong, especially on a podcast. I mean, here I am literally recording my voice, having these conversations, talk about on the record. There is something very uncomfortable in that. But I also really believe that talking about it is important and I think that this helped give me a framework that I can relate to that I feel confident and comfortable with that I know comes from a really reliable source and I find it very helpful so I thought I would share it with you so hopefully you also find it helpful and I'll see you next week <laughs>